Then the sign of man will appear in the sky. Then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. Then they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. Contending for the faith one verse at a time. This is Truth Matters Church. Visit us at truthmatterschurch.org. In Revelation 1 verse 7, John says Jesus is coming with the clouds. We may be inclined to think this is a simple poetic comment, but what Scripture reveals about this statement is incredibly powerful and gives us great insight into end times events. Join us as we continue our expository deep dive study into the book of Revelation here at Truth Matters Church. And now with our study, Pastor Alex Cataroja. An overview of our study today, and this is just a reminder, when we study the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation is a book of prophecy. So everything in the book of Revelation from chapter 1 to chapter 22 is prophecy. And that means it is from the time of the penning of this epistle, which was dated, let's say, around 95 or 96 AD, and from chapters 1 all the way through chapter 22, when we get to the eternal, eternal state, this is prophecy. And behold, he is coming with the clouds, is prophecy. You hear that? Behold, he is coming with the clouds, is one of the many prophecies in this book. And to no surprise, this prophecy has its foundation in the Old Testament. And it comes to its fulfillment in the New Testament. So what we'll do for our study today is I want us to look at this prophecy in both the Old Testament and New Testament and try to glean its fullness. And I'm going to tell you this right now. I was surprised on what was behind this phrase. And... I'm going to ask you right now, we're going to get into some pretty heavy lifting as far as the Old Testament goes, but stay with me. But at the end, we will attempt to glean its fullness uh, and really what's behind this prophetic statement. Uh, So let's get familiar with our passage for today. I'm going to read verses 7 and 8, and then we will begin our study of expositing it. So let's read Revelation 1, verses 7 and 8, and I'll be reading from the NES. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So for today's study, we're just going to look at the first part of verse 7. And we're going to be looking at this first part of verse 7, and we're going to break that up in two parts. So the whole phrase is, behold, he is coming with the clouds. We'll look at behold, what that means, and what that signifies. And then we're going to look at this phrase, he is coming with the clouds, and look to see where in the Old Testament, you know, where is the foundation in the Old Testament? And we're going to use that to build and give us insight into 
this prophecy. And then for our next study, we'll look at the remaining parts of verse 7. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So let's look at behold, shall we? Behold is aiduo, and it's a demonstrative participle calling one's attention external to oneself. So when someone says behold, the person who is saying behold is calling attention to something else besides that person, outside of that person. So when I can't say behold, I'm here. I'm not calling attention to myself. It's behold something else. So this expression is calling one's attention to something external to the person saying it. And aiduo is used 165 times in the New Testament, and it is used to call attention to an important factor detail. So when you read the New Testament and you see behold, that word is intentional to draw your attention to something that's being called attention to. And I want to give you some examples of that. Uh, we'll look at Matthew 1. In, when Joseph pondered to divorce Mary, when he found out that Mary was with child, and we'll read verses 20 and 21. When he had considered this, Joseph considering to divorce Mary, behold, I do all, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So behold, here in Matthew's account, Matthew saying, behold, an angel of the Lord. So Matthew saying, Joseph was considering to divorce Mary because she was found with child. And then, but behold, an angel intervened and appeared in a dream to Joseph. I want to put a little brownie points here. In verse 21, when it says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Who's his people? Bingo. Israel. Now, we are his people. I'll give you a little little Bible, a little cheat sheet. Generally speaking, Israel, when it talks about Israel in Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, it's Israel, the nation Israel, the people of Israel. When it says his people, the people of Israel, they're his people. I know it's a little confusing because as believers in Jesus Christ in the New Testament, for those of us who aren't Jews, aren't we, quote unquote, his people? Well, yes. But as far as that title or designation of his people it is reserved for the people of israel so when he says he will save his people from their sins he's going to save the people of israel for their sins and as we'll see when we study in the book of revelation there are 144,000 jews 12,000 from the 12 tribes there he came to save and rescue them from their sins. So there's a little bonus points there. His people, generally speaking, is the people of Israel. He is Savior of all men, and we are his children, but as far as this title of his people, it is reserved for the people of Israel. Uh, let's look at another example of behold, Matthew 3, 16 and 17. 
And this is during Jesus' baptism. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, I do all, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, there it is again, I do all, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So here, Matthew is using behold to call attention that after Jesus was baptized, the heavens were open. And both the Holy Spirit as a dove and the Father, a voice from heaven, spoke and were present. So Matthew's saying, behold, Jesus was baptized and this magnificent event happened and two persons of the Trinity also were present. And we'll look at one more example. I think you're starting to get the idea. When we say behold, it is calling our attention to something outside of oneself. And this is a very familiar one, 1 Corinthians 15. And this is the context about the mystery of the resurrection. We'll pick it up in verse 51. Behold, I do all, I tell you a mystery, the Apostle Paul writes. We will all not sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. And just a little side note here. We're going to get into this passage. We'll refer back to it when we get to the seven trumpets. But what I want to call out here is... In the beginning of verse 51, it says, Behold, I do owe. And here the Apostle Paul is saying, Look, I want to get your attention. Behold, I tell you a mystery. And he's saying, What Paul is about to write, I want to call your attention to this because at least it wasn't explicitly stated in Scripture. I'm going to tell you a mystery. And that mystery is that not all believers are going to die or sleep, as the euphemism here. But he says, but nonetheless, all will be changed. So here, Paul is calling attention when he's talking about the mystery of the resurrection. He says, behold, I tell you a mystery. There's going to be some believers who don't die. And a good example of that, when you look at the story of Enoch, it says, when he was walking with God, and then he was not, for God took him. A little mysterious there. But that's a kind of a clue or a parallel. Well, Enoch didn't die, and yet he was brought up to heaven. And Paul's saying in that same way, there's going to be a time at the last trumpet when the believers who are there aren't going to taste death, but will be changed. And he's calling their attention to that mystery. So I think we kind of understand. Behold is a, is a pretty significant word trying to call attention to something. So in verse 7, now let's go back. Behold, he is coming. John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's calling our attention to a specific event. It's kind of like John is like the forerunner, like John the Baptist was, the herald in introducing Christ. In that kind of same way, John is coming out and he's saying, behold, he is coming. And that specific event 
is Jesus is coming with the clouds. Now, what I like to do, I want to look at this prophecy further. So that's prophecy. John is saying Jesus is coming with the clouds. What does that mean? And we're going to spend quite a bit of time looking at clouds, what it's associated with in Scripture, what it means when it's used in prophetic language, and then ultimately our goal is to understand what is encompassed in this prophecy. I do want to say this. You know the Bible has a lot to say about clouds in the Old Testament and the New Testament, so we're going to talk a lot about it. Um, But I do want to call out that clouds is connected to the ascension of Christ. And let me read that account for us in Acts 1, verses 9 and 11. And after he, Jesus, had said these things to his disciples, he, Jesus, was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him, Jesus, out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, I do owe, two men in white clothing stood beside them. They also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Here's the takeaway from the Ascension account. A cloud escorted Jesus into heaven. Here's the truth and the promise and the prophecy. A cloud will escort Jesus when he comes back to earth. Okay? So clouds is connected with his ascension and his return. I want to do a little more footnotes on he is coming. The phrase, he is coming, is in the future tense. Again, this is prophecy. He is coming, not he has come. So at the time when John penned this, again, around 95 or 96 AD, he says, Jesus is coming future tense. So this is prophecy. And I do want to make a little side note here. Um, There are some views out there, like for example, in the amillennialist view, Amel means there is a, a view or a teaching out there that teaches, ah, there is no millennium. Amel, no millennium. There's no millennial reign of Christ. And the teaching goes something along the way, along, along the lines of, well, Jesus is reigning in our hearts. And this thousand-year reign that is spoken of in Scripture, it happened at the cross. Well, this one verse already exposes that fallacy. Jesus was crucified AD 30. This was written 65, 66 years later, and this is prophecy of the future. So it has nothing to do with the cross and in the hearts of believers. Just throwing that out there. And coming, erkomai, coming means, it speaks of arriving. So it says, he is coming, he is arriving. And it does denote when you've left one location and you're arriving at another location. And in the case of Jesus, he is leaving heaven and he is coming, erkomai, to earth. 
And as we've learned from our ascension account, this coming to earth is with the clouds. So he is coming with the clouds, is speaking about Jesus leaving heaven and coming to earth with the clouds. And from here, I'd like to talk about clouds. There's actually much more to clouds with respect to its role in prophecy. So now I want to look at clouds because Jesus is coming with clouds. What is the role of clouds in prophecy and what is it associated with in prophecy? Because he is coming with clouds, with the clouds as prophecy. So we're trying to glean more into it. In our go-to Daniel 7 passage of the four beasts and Daniel's vision into heaven, I want to call to our attention once again, verse 13. Daniel writes there, I kept looking in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming and he came up to the ancient of days and was presented before him. Remember, Jesus was taken up and escorted into heaven with clouds in his ascension. And in this vision, Jesus came up to his Father's throne with the clouds of heaven. Uh, That vision goes on to say in verse 14, and to him, and this is the Son of Man in the vision, and to the Son of Man was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. So in this vision into heaven, when Jesus was, he came up before the throne of his Father, Jesus came with the clouds of heaven. And here's, here's a question that is presented, when? When was the Son of Man presented before the Ancient of Days? Was it during His ascension? So when Jesus was taken up into heaven with clouds in His ascension, did He go straight? Is this this what Daniel saw? Because He came up before the Ancient of Days and before the throne of His Father with the clouds? Because understanding the answer to this question is going to help us understand the timing of this prophecy in Revelation 1-7. And of course, we're going to look to Scripture for answers. If you look at the context of Daniel 7, the vision of the Son of Man being presented before the Ancient of Days, this is in context when you study Daniel, it is after the little horn in Daniel's vision. And how we know that? In the beginning of Daniel 7-9, Daniel says, I kept looking. So after Daniel saw the little horn in his vision, he says, I kept looking. And then he saw the vision of the Son of Man coming up before the Ancient of Days. And we learned that the little horn in Daniel's vision, it is referring to Antichrist. So the context of Daniel 7 tells us that Jesus coming with the clouds of heaven and being presented before his Father's throne is after Antichrist arrives on the scene. Let me say that again. When Daniel looked into heaven and he saw the Son of Man coming up before the Ancient of Days with the clouds of heaven, that vision and that prophecy is after the Antichrist arrives on the scene. 
which means that it is even still future from us. So he is coming with the clouds as prophecy after Antichrist is revealed, and lo and behold, this is corroborated in Revelation. And let's look at that because Revelation actually gives us even more on the timing of the event that Daniel saw in his vision. And I want to read Revelation 11, verses 15 through 19. And this is the seventh trumpet. So we're jumping way ahead here. But let me read that to you. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there was loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God the Almighty, who are and who were, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign, and the nations were enraged, and your wrath came, and the time came for the dead to be judged, and the time to reward your bondservants, the prophets, and the saints, and those who fear your name, the small and the great, and to destroy those who destroy the earth. In verse 19, and the temple of God, which is in heaven, was opened. And the ark of his covenant appeared in his temple, and there was flashes of lightning, and sounds and peals of thunder, and an earthquake, and a great hailstorm. So here's a truth. Here's a truth. The vision of Daniel, seeing the Son of Man coming up before the Ancient of Days in Daniel 7, 13 and 14, that happens during the seventh trumpet. Let me say that again. The Daniel 7 vision of the Son of Man being presented before the Ancient of Days occurred at the sound or the blowing of the seventh trumpet. And that's kind of informative for us, meaning that that vision of Daniel, okay, so the six trumpets before it and the seven seals before that, those must happen first before the vision of Daniel and that prophecy and that vision of the Son of Man coming and being given a glory and a dominion and a kingdom. That is at the seventh trumpet. And this is, this is instructive for us. You know what that means? That the Antichrist will be here before the seventh trumpet. Because Daniel saw after the little horn was on the scene, then he saw the Son of Man presented, and we know that that's at the seventh trumpet, So, which means... When we're studying Scripture, the Antichrist is going to be revealed in our study of Revelation, and he will be revealed before the seventh trumpet. You got it? And I, like to talk, I still like to talk a little bit more about clouds and its role in prophecy. Now, not only did clouds accompany Jesus when he was presented before his Father, but here's another truth. Clouds are also associated. Are you familiar with this phrase? The day of the Lord in judgment. Joel 2, verses 1 and 2. Blow a trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. Surely it is near, a day of darkness and gloom. 
a day of clouds and thick darkness. As the dawn is spread over the mountains, so there is great and a mighty people. There has never been anything like it, nor will there ever be again after it to the years of many generations. So here in our Joel 2 passage, the day of the Lord and darkness of gloom are associated with day of clouds and thick darkness. And Zephaniah gives us other descriptions. Zephaniah 1, verses 14 and 16. Near is the great day of the Lord, near and coming very quickly. Listen, a day, the day of the Lord, in the warrior cries out bitterly, in it the warrior cries out bitterly, a day of wrath is that day, a day of trouble and distress, a day of destruction and desolation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet and battle cry against the fortified cities and the high corner towers. So when the day of the Lord is associated, when you hear the great day of the Lord, they are associated. And that is a day of wrath, trouble, distress, desolation, trumpet, battle cry, and thick darkness. So now from here, okay, okay, so we hear we're seeing clouds is associated with judgment and it's associated with the day of the Lord and part of that association is thick darkness. And I want us to look at thick darkness for a moment. Thick darkness is Arafel and it means heavy cloud. Clouds of thick darkness, when you see that in prophecy, it means clouds and heavy clouds. And Scripture uses Arafel to describe God coming in judgment. And I want to use, uh, I want to reference 2 Samuel to show this. In 2 Samuel 2, 22, verses 7 and 12. And by the way, this is the Psalm 18. This is a Psalm of David. But this is recorded for us in 2 Samuel 22 as well. And the Psalm here is after David was delivered from Saul. And here's what he writes. We'll pick it up in verse 7. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. Yes, I cried to my God. And from his temple, he heard my voice. And my cry for help came into his ears. Then the earth shook and quaked. The foundations of heaven were trembling and were shaken because he was angry. Smoke went up out of his nostrils. Fire from his mouth devoured. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also, and he came down with thick darkness under his feet, and he rode on a cherub and flew, and he appeared on the wings of the wind. He also made darkness canopies around him, a mass waters, thick clouds of the sky. Now, I know there's a lot here, and we've probably heard this psalm, but this is prophecy concerning the end times. And what I want to call out here is part of this prophecy and vision. It says, bowed the heavens is natashamayim. And it means to stretch out the heavens. And the prophecy here is God stretched out the heavens and came down from heaven to earth in judgment. So thick darkness, which is associated with clouds, is associated with God stretching open the heavens and coming down from heaven to earth. 
And more on this Old Testament prophecy. It says, He bowed down. Again, Nata stretched open the heaven Shamayim and came down with thick darkness under His feet. And He rode a cherub. This is interesting. He rode a cherub? A cherubim. And flew. The prophecy also says that He appeared on the wings of the wind and He made the darkness, the canopies around Him, a mass of waters, thick clouds of the sky. Now, there's a lot of mystery behind this prophecy, but just know that it depicts God coming down from heaven to earth. And in this prophecy, Messiah is riding a cherub. Have you heard that before? Not a horse, a cherub. He will ride a horse later, as we will see, and that's for a very specific time and event. But here in this prophecy, it says, Messiah is riding a cherub and on the wings of the wind. And it also says, hiding in darkness and in clouds. I know there's, there's, there's a lot of confusion here. And it's mysterious, but know this. Thick darkness is associated with clouds and God coming to judge the world. So when you see prophecy, and it says anything along the lines, clouds and thick darkness under His feet, It is speaking about God coming from heaven to earth in judgment. And in the prophecy of 2 Samuel 22, which is also Psalm 18, as I mentioned, it's an end times prophecy. And it gives us this detail. Here's what the prophecy is. Yahweh heard the cries of His people from heaven's temple. At the cries of His people, the earth shook and quaked. The foundations of heaven were shaken because He was angry. Smoke came out of his nostrils, fire from his mouth. Alas, the day of the Lord is at hand. We're going to see as we progress in this study where this falls in the book of Revelation, but this prophecy corroborates perfectly with the vision given to the Apostle John. And let me see if I can take the prophecy of 2 Samuel 22 and Psalm 18 Let me see if I can explain it in this way. The time is going to come when God is done punishing the sins of His people Israel and Judah. Remember in our study of Daniel and his visions, there was what Daniel called the final period of the indignation. So the final period of the indignation is another way to say God is done punishing His people Israel and Judah. And when we look at prophecy concerning that, it, is coincide, it coincides with the day of the Lord. So the day of the Lord, so pretty much when He's done punishing His people Israel, then the next event is the day of the Lord. And as we'll see, as we see in these prophecies, God is pretty ticked off and He is coming. So when at the appointed time comes, His people is going to cry to Him at the period at the end of the indignation. And at that appointed time, at the cries of His people, there's going to be a great earthquake. Global. Earthquake so great that the mountains and the islands moved from its geographic location. God was pretty ticked off. Then the heavens will literally be stretched open. And we're going to see more into that when we get to the sixth seal 
of, of John's vision. And then the time came for God to arrive from heaven to earth to rescue his people and judge the world with, with among other things, clouds and thick darkness. And one, one other last comment about thick darkness, Arafel. It not only describes God arriving in judgment, but thick darkness is also associated with God being there. Exodus 20, verses 18 and 21, and this is at the giving of the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai. Verse 18, all the people perceived the thunder and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. Then he said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but let not God speak to us for we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid for God has come in order to test you and in order that the fear of him may remain with you so that you may not sin. So the people stood at a distance while Moses approached the thick cloud, the Arafel, where God was. So from Mount Sinai, that account, we see that God was present. He was there. And what accompanied that was lightning flashes, a sound of a trumpet, mountain smoking, and they're all indicators that, John is, uh, that God is present. But did the people of Israel see him? No. They saw and they heard him. And they saw the lightning flashes. They heard the sound of a trumpet. They saw the mountain smoking. And it were all indicators that God is there and God is present. But at that time, they didn't see him. And what's interesting is Jesus connects lightning to his second coming. We're all familiar with this. Matthew 24, verse 27 for just as the lightning comes from the east and even flashes even to the west, so will the coming, the parousia of the Son of Man be. And parousia means the presence. Just like in the Sinai account, the presence of God was there. He was there speaking to Moses in the thick cloud of darkness. He says, so will the Son of Man be present. So if we take both the Old Testament and the New Testament into account, he is coming with the clouds is a very consolidated statement. Here's what we can expect when Jesus comes with the clouds. Jesus' second coming, second coming it'll be accompanied with what can be seen, heard, and felt. Clouds, thick darkness, a trumpet being blown, Flashes of lightning, sounds and peals of thunder, a great earthquake. When the islands move and the mountains move, Jesus is here. The shaking of the heavens. Earth will be hit, and I'm, I'm kind of spoiling this a little bit, with an asteroid shower. I'm going to say that again. The earth is going to be hit with an asteroid shower. You hear from time to time, fear that an asteroid might come our way, it will come our way, leading up to the return of our Lord. Not only that, the sun will be blackened and the moon will not give its light. The lights will go out. And we will get more into depth on this when we get to the sixth seal prophecy. And from here, this is more of a side note for more for myself, because I don't know if this is going to 
come into play as we progress in our study, but I wanted to talk a little bit about just clouds in general and the mystery of it. And this is just some, I guess me embellishing it a little bit. If you're taking notes, clouds is not mentioned in the Torah. Say, okay, that was interesting. And the first mention of it was in Judges. And another thing about clouds, yeah, it's associated with God coming in judgment. It's associated with him being there. But it also says that God uses the clouds as his chariot. Psalm 104, verse 3, he lays the beams of his upper chambers in the waters. He makes the clouds his chariot. He walks upon the wings of the wind, and he... Uh, the takeaway there, man uses physical chariots and God uses clouds or the elements as his chariots. Another thing about clouds, God uses clouds to hide himself. Job twenty two fourteen, clouds are a hiding place for him so that he, so that he cannot see and he walks on the vault of heaven and hiding is citre and it means a hiding place or a secret place. So clouds among its association and uses in the Old Testament, it also serves as a hiding or secret place for God, or El, the plural form of God. And God may choose to conceal himself in the clouds if he chooses to. But not only clouds does God choose as a, or may use as a hiding place, but it also says darkness as well. Psalm 18:11. he made darkness his hiding place his canopy around him. Darkness of waters, thick clouds of the skies, and darkness is chosek, and it means obscurity. And as I was looking at darkness, uh, you know, there's something mysterious in the creation account when, when it was just God. And it says, uh, and it says uh, he, his spirit was hovering over the surface of the deep, and darkness was over it, darkness. And he separated light from darkness. And darkness is chesek. And it speaks of, or God uses it as a, as a hiding place or a secret place. And so there's something mysterious about darkness that we can't see. And it also says he made darkness his canopy, his sukkah. It also, it also means booth. And it's the same Hebrew word for the feast of booths or sukkot. So, Darkness in prophetic or in Old Testament scripture, it speaks about God using that as his canopy and you know his booth, and there is some correlation with that, with the feast of booths and coming God coming out of his canopy from the darkness in heaven. And I mentioned this clouds is associated with the day of the Lord. And here's another side note, and we will see where this falls in as we progress. The day of the Lord will involve Egypt and Ethiopia, ancient Arabia. And this is in Ezekiel 30, 1 through 4. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophecy and say, Thus says the Lord God, Wail, alas, for the day. For the day is near. Even the day of the Lord is near. It'll be a day of clouds, a time of doom for the nations. A sword will come upon Egypt. And anguish will be in Ethiopia. When the slain fall in Egypt, they will take away her wealth. So at this time, Egypt and Ethiopia will be wealthy. And her foundations are torn down. So we're going to keep an eye on Egypt and Ethiopia or ancient Arabia as we progress. 
and to see where this third beast, remember the third beast, the leopard with four heads and four wings of a bird, where we landed on that. It was Egypt or Libya. And I say it's more so Egypt. So there's this connection with this lion, this leopard with four heads and four wings of a bird. And if you connect that with Ezekiel 30, that they will be wealthy at this time. And when the day of the Lord comes, it'll be doomed for them and the nations. Okay, that was just a little side note there. Now what I want to do, now that we have the Old Testament backdrop, I want to tie in. He is coming with the clouds with the New Testament. You ready? And let's go to Matthew 24 and the Olivet Discourse. And we'll read verses 29 through 31. Jesus speaking of his return. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken and then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory and he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. Here, I'm just going to tell you up front. Matthew 24, verses 30 and 31, and Revelation 7, which we are just beginning to study, behold, he is coming in the clouds, is the same vision and prophecy. And how do we know that? Let me put them side by side for you. A good way to know if the prophecy or vision is the same, there needs to be something to connect them. So in Matthew 24, verse 30, and then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then, here's a unique description, all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And in Revelation 1, 7, behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn. So that's one connection. There's another connection In Matthew 24, verse 30, it also says the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky. And in Revelation 1, 7, behold, he is coming with the clouds of the sky, even though it doesn't say it. And every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. So this is important. We're able to connect Matthew 24, 30 and 31 with Revelation 7. So we can rely on Matthew 24 then on the timing of this prophecy. So it's like, okay, when is the timing of this prophecy of he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him? Here's when that prophecy will be fulfilled, at least. It'll be after the tribulation of those days described in Matthew 24. It's a long list, but let me read it to you. So Jesus isn't coming with the clouds until after the tribulation of those days. And here's some of that. After wars and rumors of wars, after nation rises against nation, kingdom against kingdom, after famines, plagues, and earthquakes, after being delivered to authorities to be killed, after being hated by all nations because of God's name, authority, or cause, after the falling away and betrayal and hatred of one another, after the many false prophets, after lawlessness is increased, the forsaking of the law of Moses, after the love of God grows cold. Here's another thing. After the abomination of desolation, the great tribulation, 
after the arrival of Antichrist. So after Antichrist is here, here is the Christ, there he is. After that is the timing of Jesus coming with the clouds. After the heavens are shaken. After the sun is darkened. After the moon will not give its light. And after the stars, or quite literally asteroids, fall from the sky. After all these things. Then the sign of man will appear in the sky. Then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. Then they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And then the angels will gather together the elect from the four winds. Now, don't peek. Don't go to the next, don't, don't, don't go to the next slide. That was a lot. But I want to present with you with a question. What is the sign of the Son of Man? Okay, what is it? You know what I thought it was before? The abomination of desolation. I thought that was the sign. No, see? After the abomination of desolation. See how I put that emphasis? So, because we were able to tie Matthew 24, 13, 31, and Revelation 7 as the same vision, here's what we can deduce. Behold, He is coming with the clouds. Is prophecy tied to the Son of Man or the sign of the Son of Man in the sky. So let me say it another way. Behold, He is coming with the clouds equals the sign of the Son of Man in the sky. So when the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, what will be the sign of Your coming and the, you know, the end of the age? And Jesus gave this long answer and He gave like all these events that must happen. And it's all in the Old Testament, by the way. He didn't give this sign until the very end. And that single sign, He gave him one sign. The sign of the Son of Man in the sky. So in other words, Jesus told His disciples, and this is instructive for us, that the sign of the Son of Man is Jesus coming with the clouds in power and great glory. Are you afraid that you're going to miss the sign? Oh, no. It's a sign that no one in the world is going to miss because God Himself is going to rip, stretch open the heavens and come down. And I mentioned some of those accompanying things. So from Matthew 24... Here's how we know we're getting close. Okay, like, all right, let's, we know there's a lot of stuff going on on the other part of the world, especially around the land of Israel and in the Middle East. But here are, here's, here's what to look out for. You ready? The sun will be darkened. Okay? Big deal. The sun is not shining. Jesus is at the door of his return. The moon will not give its light because the, the moon at night is actually reflecting the light of the sun. The sun goes out, so will the moon. Here's another one. When asteroids start to pummel the earth, Jesus is pretty darn close. So after the blackout of the sun and the moon, after asteroids make its way to the earth, then the sign of man, the sign of the Son of Man, will appear in the sky, and that sign you're going to see, and every eye will see, Jesus is coming with the clouds with power and great glory. So he is coming with the clouds. Let me close this. 
It's prophecy connected with the day of the Lord, the great day, and the sign of the Son of Man in the sky is Jesus coming with the clouds in power and great glory. Even if you were blind, you can still feel it or hear it. And if you can't hear, you can still feel it. Especially when that great earthquake happens that moves the mountains and even the islands. Let me kind of see if I can bucket this up. When Jesus comes with the clouds, remember it's prophecy. There's prophecy for one group and there's also prophecy for another group. When Jesus comes with the clouds and you're unbelieving, it'll be a day all the tribes of the earth will mourn. A day every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. A day of clouds and thick darkness. A day of wrath. A day of trouble and distress. A day of destruction and desolation. A day of darkness and gloom for the nations, including Egypt, Ethiopia, or ancient Arabia. A day of trumpet and battle cry. A day of judgment and punishment. So behold, he is coming with the clouds. Is prophecy, and there's prophecy as it deals with the unbelieving. But when Jesus comes with the clouds for the believing, okay, all that stuff happened. The sun went out. The moon will not give its light. And asteroids start coming to the earth. For the believing, it'll not be a day of wrath. It'll be a day we are confirmed. A day we are received. A day His good work is perfected in us. A day we are found blameless. A day we receive salvation. A day we are glorified. When Jesus comes with the clouds for believers, it'll be a day Jesus sends forth His angel with a great trumpet to gather together the elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. A day we will be caught up to be with our Lord Jesus Christ and meet Him in the air, raptured. A day we will be united with believers who have died. When Jesus comes with a cloud, clouds for believers, it'll be a day we will be forever with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So when John says, behold, He is coming with the clouds, it's prophecy and it's a warning that unbelievers will experience God's wrath and judgment. But believers will receive God's blessings and promises and the kingdom. Behold, He is coming with the clouds as a prophecy and warning that unbelievers will be eternally damned and His people and believers will be rescued and eternally saved. And with that, along with John, we say amen. Come quickly, Lord. Come quickly. Just half a verse in today's study, but so much to unpack. Hopefully we will never again look at He is coming with the clouds with anything except a deep reverence and awe at the wonderful blessing that awaits every believer at the return of our glorious Savior. We thank you so much for listening today and do hope that you were blessed by this message. Be sure to mark us as a favorite on Sermon Audio or subscribe to the Truth Matters Church podcast on your favorite podcast platform. 
And be sure to check out our completely free 24-hour stream of expository Bible teaching, scripture reading, and sermons from great preachers of the past online now at truthmattersradio.com. Contending for the faith one verse at a time. This is Truth Matters Church.